Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to today's episode of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I thank you for giving me some of your time today, and I hope this episode finds you well. I have no ado to share with you today, so let's get right into today's phrases, origins, history, and more. Today's first phrase is to go over like a lead balloon. This one means that something has completely failed. Some say it as go down like a lead balloon, but it means the same thing either way. The idea behind this saying is that lead is a heavy metal, and making a balloon out of it would result in a balloon too heavy to fly, or in other words, a balloon that completely failed at being a balloon. This saying came from early 20th century America, specifically a comic strip called Mom and Pop. It was syndicated in several newspapers, and the phrase was used in the comic in June of 1924. It is unknown if this was the actual first use or just the first use in print, but either way, it was the last use in print for a while. In fact, this phrase about failures was almost a failure itself. It doesn't show up in print again until after World War II. After a two-decade period of non-use, the saying found its way back into the vernacular. Then a couple more decades later, it became more popular, thanks in part to a heavy metal band you may have heard of called Led Zeppelin. Supposedly, Jimmy Page, the founder and guitarist of the band, did a tour in Scandinavia with a band called the New Yardbirds. This was a band formed from a popular band that was breaking up, called the Yardbirds. Keith Moon, the drummer for The Who, reportedly said that the new Yardbirds would go down like a lead balloon. It is thought that the Hindenburg disaster, the crashing of a large balloon, influenced their name as well, which is backed up by the cover art of their first album, which featured a picture of the famous crashing Zeppelin. That's all I have about the saying itself, but before moving on, I wanted to mention that the Mythbusters proved a lead balloon could fly given the proper conditions. Now, let's try on some shoes. Next, we are looking at the saying, if the shoe fits, wear it. This saying means that if a description fits you, you have to accept it. Some people say it as a shortened version of just, if the shoe fits. However you say it, the old-timey times version of this phrase was about cloaks or caps instead of shoes. No one seems to know the exact origin, but we find a version of it in the 16th century. In 1593, Richard Hooker, an English priest and theologian, wrote of the laws of ecclesiastical polite, and in it he included, quote, Which cloak sitteth no less fit on the back of their cause than of the Anabaptists? End quote. Then, in 1705, English pamphleteer and journalist Daniel Defoe wrote a poem called The Dyer of Poland that included, quote, If the cap fits anybody, let him wear it. End quote. Some people think that it went from a cloak to a cap because cap would have been a variant of cape, which is kind of like a cloak. 
Although some people still say if the cap fits, by the late 18th century, shoe was the article of choice to fit, especially in America. We find it first used in print as shoe in a May 1773 edition of a newspaper called the New York Gazette and Weekly Mercury. It included, quote, Why should Mr. Vanderbeck apply a general comparison to himself? Let those whom the shoe fits wear it. End quote. The main theory for how it went from cloaks and caps to shoes is that it was because of the story of Cinderella, which was becoming more popular at that time. That's all I have for this one, so now it's time for today's According To segment. Toppers, today we're reading from the Dictionary of Clichés, over 2,000 popular and amusing clichés, their meanings, and origins. Here's why we say I wasn't born yesterday, according to the book. I'm wiser than you may think. I've been around. As is so often the case, the expression was in the spoken language before it appeared in print. Frederick Marriott makes that clear in Snarleyvow, 1837. The widow read the letter and tossed it into the fire with a pish. I was not born yesterday, as the saying is. An immensely popular play and motion picture a generation ago was Garson Kanan's Born Yesterday, about a woman in business who seemed to be the quintessence of naivety and dumb blondedness, but was, in fact, a person of great native intelligence. Now here's why we say get on the gravy train, according to the book. To obtain money or services without much effort, real gravy adds a pleasant taste to some basic dish, such as meat or potatoes, but you can get along without it. Long ago, in the United States at least, the word took on a transferred meaning of money that came easily or unexpectedly. Gravy train implies that a lot of other people are sharing the goodies. It may have originated in railroading as a reference to an easy run. The term seems to have first turned up in print in 1945 in Lay My Burden Down by Benjamin Bodkin. They is on the gravy train and don't know it. Okay, toppers, one last one. Here's why we say put up your dukes, according to the book. Get ready to fight. The connection between duke and fist is obscure. It may be that the word derives from the Latin dux, meaning leader. One leads with one's fists. Or perhaps duke grew out of the old cockney habit of rhyming, which gave us the Duke of York's forks. The forks are the fingers, which are part of the hands, etc., in either case, the expression began as British slang in the 1870s, and by 1879, Macmillan's magazine was using the word with a translation, I said I would not go if he put his duke's hands on me. Alright, toppers, now it's time for today's familiar quotation. Alright, toppers, today's familiar quotation is from William Perky. Quote, You've got to dance like there's nobody watching. Love like you'll never be hurt. Sing like there's nobody listening. And live like it's heaven on earth. End quote. Thank you, Mr. Perky, for giving us today's familiar quotation.
All right, toppers, it's time for today's For Better or For Words, love advice from old-timey times. Remember that this advice is over a hundred years old, and I'm sharing it for entertainment purposes only. Now, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't be jealous of your husband's bachelor friends. Let him camp out with them for an occasional weekend if he wants to. He will come back all the fresher and full of appreciation of his home. And now for the men. Don't flatter your wife. Unless she is very vain, she is sure to see through you, and she will be more hurt than pleased. Praise where you can, but leave flattery alone. All right, toppers, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnofphrases.com, to find out information about the show's social media, for details about the music I use in the show, and much more. Also, check out the show notes for links to the Podfix network and to my merch store. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Last but not least, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast. Researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, thanks for stopping by. Toodaloo! And now... This is... Let me rephrase. In 1593, Richard Hooker, an English priest and theo... <laughs> the main theory for how it went from cloaks to cap... No. This has been a transmission of the Podfix Network. For more about this show and other great Podfix programs, go to podfixnetwork.com.